today on the Province Crier Podcast. We got a terrible show as the Friars are dead. Oh, oh man. This Thanksgiving weekend really took a lot out of the Crier. Really took a hit to the Crier Prophecy. But we're going to do it anyways. We, we'll we'll get, relive all the drama as PC played horrifically in Anaheim. We'll also have Justin Haskard, a URI fan, to discuss the upcoming game this week. Should be a good one. PC at URI, the battle for the Ocean State. So at least that's something to get excited for. All right, let's eat. Man up in my city on the roof, yeah. David Duke when I'm way above the hoop, babe. The Providence College Friars. Top for the crossovers. The Big East. The rest of the college hoops world. Setting the screen. Dunn twisting his way in. This is the Providence Crier Podcast. With your host, a PC grad standing in at four feet tall. He is the Providence Crier himself, Mike Surratt. Podcast. It's your host, the Province Crier, Mike Surrett. Today is Wednesday, December tenth. Um, like I said, we, we got a good show. Well, I said we had a terrible show, but uh, it is loaded with entertainment here because the Friars over Thanksgiving they played in the Wooden Legacy Classic, and it's an absolute disaster. We'll get to that. Um, we also have Justin Haskar, as I was saying. He'll be on the pod. He's a URI alum, um, a guy that I've battled back and forth with with the uh, PC-URI rivalry. Obviously, huge game coming up this Friday on ESPN2 at the Ryan Center. Um, the, the Friars in the Rams will renew their rivalry. But first, we got to get through the hard part, uh, and that was this weekend in the Wooden Legacy. It was Absolutely brutal. Going into this tournament, I mean, despite the loss to Penn, I really thought the Friars definitely would win two and then, you know, drop the final to Arizona. And, you know, they face a Long Beach State team that's young, that's inexperienced. Um, so I, I thought they'd be able to win that one. And then, you know, they, they would have played Wake um, had they won the game. But we all know what went down there. So, um, Wake, another team, you know, obviously a step up in competition, but they're an ACC team that, that's going to finish in the bottom of the pack. Could have definitely saw the Friars get a win there. Um, and then, you know, meet Arizona in the final, and we'll see what happens. Fortunately, the Friars don't get to do any of that. We'll start with the Long Beach State game. Um, really sloppy first half. But, um, you know, the Friars end up finding themselves up nine at the break. PC had 21 turnovers in this one, um, which is just terrible, um, especially when you have a veteran leading team with veteran ball handlers. Um, you shouldn't be turning over the ball 21 times, especially to a team that, that uh, uh, is young and experienced like Long Beach State. I mean, you know, Long Beach State had a ton of turnovers too. Maybe it was contagious, but just really inexcusable. Really sloppy game. But like I said, the Friars, they're up nine at the break. Um, they come out of this uh, halftime break, and they come out hot. Big run, 10-2, to two, start the second half, and the Friars lead by a game-high 17 points. Um, credit, to use a Cooley term, I guess, credit Long Beach State. They chip away, make this thing, you know, they get it down to five, but the Friars respond with their, a run of their own, 7-0 spurt. Uh, A.J. Reeves hits a three. Um, we'll get to him a little later. Malik White had a dunk, and then Watson with a layup. 7-0 run, Friars go back up 12. Um, you know, 
later in the game, seven-minute mark. This is when I thought this game was over. Elva Diallo makes a nice mid-range jumper off a nice feed from Emmett Holt. He hits it. The Friars are up 10, seven minutes left. You know, again, veteran team against the young team. Like, they should close this thing out, right? Well, no. It was the absolute opposite. The wheels absolutely fall off the wagon. Uh, the Friars will end up only scoring four points for the rest of the half, like the rest of the game. How does that happen? Like, you have seven minutes left in the game, and you can only muster four points when you have guys like Alpha Diallo, David Dew, uh, Nate Watson, uh, Pipkins, White, like the list goes on, and you can only score four points? Uh, it's just terrible. And the worst part was there was no adjustments. It, it seemed like the Friars were just lost, and they were just going to let, you know, just let Long Beach State take it from them. Um, you know, there was a point in the game where, you know, as Long Beach is, is coming back and we're falling apart, at the 147 mark, you know, one of their best players, Chase Hunter, he fouls out. David Duke hits two free throws, extends the leads to six. So you're thinking, all right, no, they'll probably hang on. Up six, minute 47. But no, they'll only get one more point uh, beyond that stretch. Um, it'd be a Pipkins uh, technical foul after a player on Long Beach State got teed up after they hit a big three. Um, that'd be the last point they get down the stretch. It's just one measly technical foul free throw. Uh, Diallo ends up missing the front end of a one-on-one. Um, Friars up two. And then Emmett Hole fouls Carter from Long Beach State, shooting a three. Great. And I think at that point, I just knew he's going to hit them all. Like, this guy's going to drill them all. And we're going to be down one with three seconds left, and we're absolutely screwed. Sure enough, he drains all three. Friars down one, three seconds left. You know, they get the ball to Duke. Um, we'll also discuss his contributions a little later um, in this tournament. Uh, they get the ball to Duke. He hustles down the court, gets off a runner. And I was thinking, you know, maybe there was some current covering magic. <laughs> Yeah, that was awesome when Kyron Cartwright beat Belmont at the buzzer with a running three. Duke's runner, though, doesn't go. The Friars lose a heartbreaker. Absolutely choke this one away. Um, it was really, really a tough watch. It ruined my Thanksgiving. I had made sure dinner wasn't going to be served until the game ended. So the game was at 2. You know, dinner was going to be at 4, pushing it to 4.15. Um... You know, just want to watch the game. And just hoping, you know, the Friars would just, you know, take care of business. It might not be pretty, but they'd beat a scrappy Long Beach State team and move on the next round. We'd be, be playing on Friday. Uh, and then thought was hopefully win that game too. And then we'll see what happens on Sunday. But no, they absolutely blow it. They absolutely rip your heart out as usual. Um, I had like a kind of a Marty Mush-esque reaction to the loss. Um, yeah, I, I went down in a heap and started punching things. It was brutal. And it ruined, it just ruined the whole, the rest of the evening for me. Um, might have overserved myself with a Heineken mini keg, but it just ruined the whole meal. Thanksgiving, one of my favorite meals. And the fryers just, just take a giant dump on the Thanksgiving dinner table. It was terrible. So then they move on the next day. They play College of Charleston. Um, you know, going in, as you might have saw on Twitter, if you follow me on Twitter, at Providence Cryer, um, you know, I had some things to say about PC after the loss of Long Beach State. I was willing to forgive those things if they just, you know, came to play and, and got the win against College of Charleston and then maybe just finish, thing, finish this thing out 2-1, right? Um, but here's the thing. So I was thinking maybe, you know, they, they do some of the things they, they did well, 
in the last game. Um, maybe they don't have a massive drought uh, at the end of the game, massive collapse, and end up winning this thing. But the thing was, when you lose a game as demoralizing as that, it's a bad opponent after you just lost a pen um, in the blow, like a massive lead and, you know, foul guy shooting three. And <laughs> to lose that way, it's just so brutal. And I knew, like, mentally, if the Friars had to be in a battle with College of Charleston, like, it wouldn't go well. Because I, I think mentally we're just shot, um, you know, and then if you have to find yourself in another dogfight, it's just like, how do you bring yourself back up and <laughs> compete? So, like, part of me was hoping that the Friars would come out to, um, to come out to, you know, play well in the first half and just kind of cruise the victory. I knew if this game was going to be close, it would not break in our favor. Unfortunately, the Friars end up leading a half 29-27. And I just got the sense, like, they aren't going to win this game. <laughs> like, And, uh, you know, sure enough, they don't. They, they pretty much get worked in the second half. Um, it was pretty brutal. They showed no fight. They showed no heart for for being brutally honest here. Um, you know, they get outscored in the second half by ten, lose by eight. Um, you know, like how on earth can you let the College of Charleston team shoot fifty percent from the floor, and on top of that, they're able to get to line uh, more than you, which is to me is pathetic. I mean, we have way better athletes than them. Um, we were much bigger, physical. Um, and yet they get to the line and they can do something that we can't do. And that's hit free throws. They go 18 of 19 from the stripe for, um, you know, that's close to 95%. So (laughs) that's pretty brutal. Um, but yeah, it's like, they just, just very disappointing defensively. And, you know, another key to that, to the game is white and Pipkins just, are absolutely atrocious. Um, <laughs> like, these stats are almost too hard to believe. White and Pipkins combined to go 0 of 13 from the floor, including a nice 0 of 7 from deep. Um, they each didn't attempt a free throw. Um, they combined for an assist and two rebounds. In 47 minutes of play. That is just horrifically bad. Um, and unfortunately, Cooley just let Pipkins go because, you know, he's the grad transfer and, you know, he's a veteran. He'll figure it out. Um, but, I mean, to Cooley's defense, I mean, White didn't do anything better to think that White would be the better sub. I mean, they were both goddamn awful. Like, they were terrible. Um, and the Friars really got to figure that out. Um, you know, it, it seemed like just the other day, Kevin McNamara of the Projo came out with an article about how White is embracing his role as six man and all this. Um, like it t- took some getting used to, but but he's all in. And then this week happens, and now you know you got his dad tweeting that his son should play over Pipkins. Which I mean, I don't think he's totally wrong, but it's not like White. Like I said, it's not like White outperformed. It's not like White did anything to show me that he deserved minutes either. I mean, they both did. Um, but yeah, it, like they got to figure that out. Either start white in, in bench Pipkins, continue to do what you're doing and have white be your six man. But like, he's got to actually buy into it. It just can't be words. Uh, or, I mean, my thought was potentially, what if you play both of them and then play Duke at the three? Well, I mean, he wouldn't really be the three. You just be playing with three guards, uh, Diallo at the four, who's a mismatched nightmare at the four. Um, and then uh, Watson at, at the five. I think that could be an interesting lap. But um, it, it's unfortunate because it really, really ruined a great game by David Duke. Um, I said I'd bring it up. He probably has his best game as a friar in this one. 22 points on seven of eight shooting, including three of four from three, uh, five of six from free throw, um, five assists, three steals, two boards. Um, 
Duke, man. He, like he's he puts on a show in that game. Very efficient, unlike the rest of the Friars' offense. Um, meanwhile, like you got Duke took four threes, but he hit three of them. And meanwhile, you got Alpha Diallo, the senior. He jacks up five triples and misses every single one. Uh, it was just brutal. Just a brutal game. And then for the second time in a row, you know, in the first game against Long Beach State, um, that guy Carter goes for a career high, 23 points. He was their guard. Then this guy, again, another undersized guard, Grant Riller for College of Charleston, just absolutely works us. Goes for 29 points. Um, you know, you could just tell that this kid wanted it way more. And he was like, well, I'm not the highly recruited guy like like these guys I'm playing against. Um, but you know what? I, I, I want the game more than them. So, and that's what he did. And he dominated us on sheer will, uh, made some great shots. Um, Riller ends up getting a T at the end of the game. And typically, like, that would cause for a cry or freak out, like meltdown by me, being pissed off at the guy. But, like, he deserved it. Like, he deserved to show us up because we deserved to be showed up. Uh, he worked us in that game, and it was really, really difficult to watch. So Friars end up dropping two in a row, and it's just like this trip to Anaheim. It's just a complete and utter nightmare. Um, so then they finish it off against Pepperdine. And it's funny, too. Friars were massive favorites in all three of these games, and they don't even cover any of them. So I, I don't know what Vegas sees on us. I really don't. That's neither here nor there. Um, you know, moving on to the Pepperdine game. Um, you know, the, the big thing going into this one, obviously people on Twitter were upset about everything. And then <laughs> the fact that Cooley rolls out the same exact lineup has, that he played in the last two games where they both lost to um, terrible teams. He rolls out the same lineup again, and, man, did Friartown lose it. Um it was it was unfortunate. I, I was I was really shocked that he really went back to the same well and not do something to, to, to do a spark. I mean, we've seen Cooley put in guys like Ted Bancroft uh, and not be afraid of playing a walk on to show you know to show the team when they're playing poorly that you know these minutes aren't guaranteed. But for some reason this year, I, I think it's with a more veteran-led team. He just feels the need to give these guys a super long leash. And it's like, it's unbelievable. And then guys like Greg Kent don't even like play much. And it's unfortunate because he goes out there and you can definitely tell he's invested in the game. He's locked in. Um, you know, he's not defensively. He's not like perfect. He's kind of running around with a chick, like a chicken with his head cut off, but he gives you effort. Uh, and it sucks that, um, you know, he's not getting playing time. Same with Jimmy Nichols. He, I, I want to, did he even play, like, at all in this tournament? Like, I, I have no idea. So, yeah, Cooley rolls out with the same lineup. Everyone's pissed, kind of rightfully so. Um, and, you know, 11 minutes in, the Friars find themselves down six, and it's just like, oh, here we go again. We're going to lose We're gonna lose this game. We're going to go 0-3, and the season's uh, over. Uh, but fortunately for the Friars, they end up starting to get a rhythm again offensively, which is – Nice to see. They end the half on a 20-day run uh, to lead by seven. And then they open up the second half again um, like they did in the first game against Long Beach. And they start off hot again, and they extend the lead to 14 with 10.30 to play. And then here we go again. Like Pepperdine storms back, led behind uh, their short guard, Colby Ross, who finishes with 29 points. Um Pepperdine finds themselves down only two with 30 seconds left. But luckily this time around, David Duke was huge down the stretch uh, in terms of making – he didn't have the best game. He only had like 10 points. But in terms of making winning plays and getting timely baskets at the end of the game, he was crucial. I, I They don't win the game without him for sure. Um, Diallo gets a little redemption back at the line. Um, lucky for him it was a double bonus because he misses the first one. Luckily, he hits the second, and then um, Friars end up, you know, getting out of there with, with the victory. Um, so, not an ideal game, but, I mean, I guess a win. Uh, so, I'll, I'll take it. Um, you know, I, I thought Reeves and Watson finally have started to show life, which is very encouraging, in my opinion. They each score 15 apiece. The bench as a whole 
goes off for 41 points. So that was pretty impressive. Um, I thought Diallo was a much steadier presence in this game. And, it, and I think it might have to be that way because, like I said, I've said on here several times, Diallo is a better complementary player. Like, his skill set isn't one that you want to have Alfred Diallo with the ball in his hands as clock expires. No. He's the guy that gets, you know, sco- scores buckets off offensive rebounds, posting up smart, you know, guys that, that try and guard him. Um, he makes a living around the rim. Uh, and yet, for some reason this season, I mean, we all know the reason. He's trying to impress NBA scouts, which, you know, I, I it's selfish, sure, I guess. But, I mean, do you blame him? I mean, the guy wants to make a living. So, you know, can't really harp on him too much. But definitely some of his three-point attempts are just unwarranted. Um, but in this game, he doesn't even take a single three, which was good. Uh, and he added nine rebounds, six assists. So I thought Diallo was steady. Hopefully he can build off that um, in the game this upcoming week. But, man, I'll, I'll tell you, just an utter, utter disaster um, of a weekend. And, you know, the themes of the weekend, you know, the one thing that was very apparent, and I mentioned earlier, is the fact that smaller guards always seem to dominate the Friars. And it was – it was no different in this tournament. Like I said, Carter, 23 points. Riller, 29 points. Ross, 29 points. Like, and I, I think some of it has to do with the fact that Pipkins is out there, a smaller defender. Same with White. Maybe that's why these guys are getting, you know, such good looks. But in credit those guys, they did make some tough shots. Um, but, man, to get burnt by guards over and over again is just so frustrating. Uh, by smaller guards, and we saw it. We saw it last year with Pipkins against us. So it's just frustrating. That's something that they're gonna have to work on, and it doesn't get easier when you know you got Fats Russell um, on the Rams this Friday. So, in my opinion, Cool just got plop Duke on the opposition's best offensive weapon and call it a day. Like you know, you can put Duke on um, Fats, and then. You're not gonna have to worry too much about their two guard, uh, in my opinion, at least. And if he kills you, so be it. Um, he's not gonna kill you like fastball. So I think Cooley needs to make that adjustment. To be honest, speaking of Cooley, kind of alluded to this earlier. Cooley gets pretty much the brunt of all this um, on Twitter, and rightfully so. He's definitely right. It's right to criticize Cooley on this because you know I. Appreciate all Cooley's done, but at the end of the day, like this was a, just an utter disaster. To blow a 17-point second-half lead uh, with with what seemed to be no adjustments, and then the next game to have the team just no-show, it's just not a good look. Um, so, I mean, I listen, I, I get people calling for, for criticizing Cooley, but what I don't get is people calling for his job at this point. I think that's absolutely ludicrous. It's absolutely insane. Um, you know, like Cooley has brought pride back into this program. Um, and it just frustrates me that like all of a sudden, like as a fan base, we're so cocky. We're like, Oh, this guy should be fired. Like we got to get the next guy. It's like, are you serious? Do you remember the Kino years? I did. I worked for the team. They were terrible. Uh, how about Welsh? Like, like, Cooley deserves criticism, but at the same time, man, like he's built this thing up. Um, and it's built to something that we haven't seen in a while. So to call for his job, especially this early in the season, is just frustrating. But um, And then the third theme, the one positive from the entire weekend uh, would be the emergence um, as uh, of David Duke as a pure superstar. Um, don't want to toot my own horn here, but Kind of saw this coming. I mentioned it earlier a few episodes back um, that Duke is in line to have a massive year. He just looked awesome in the Pan Am games. I was really impressed with shooting. Uh, his athletic season really jumped up. I mean, he's always been athletic, but it seemed to really show itself on the court. Um, and he just looks like a completely different player from last year. Um, like, David Duke right now, his effectiveness is absolutely – insane. Um, 
on the tournament uh, in Anaheim, in the Wooden Legacy, he shoots 56% from the floor, 4 of 8 from 3, 11 of 12 from the free throw line, uh, which is awesome. So that's 56% from the floor, 50% from 3, and then, like, I don't know, I'm not great at math, like 93%, 94% at the line. Uh, on the season now, he sits at 45% from the floor, 50 from 3, and uh, 85%. Like, he's the most effective, efficient, effective fryer right now, and there's really no question about it. Um, um, you know, for a team that can't shoot threes, can't hit free throws, or can't hit any shots. Uh, he's a nice breath of fresh air. Um, it's really fun to watch him grow. Um, it's similar to, to Chris Dunn. I mean, obviously, kind of unfair to compare it to, but they will unfortunately always be linked um, just because they're built similarly long athletic guards, fast. Um, but, man, David Duke is really turning up lately, and I love it. Um and I think the next step for him is to be a little more aggressive. Um, even if, you know, e- even if that lowers his percentages a little bit, if he takes more shots, I mean, I'm at this point, I, I'm all for it because the Friars need somebody to step up and like be the guy who needs the ball in his hands for us to win. Um, I love Diallo, but again, like I said, he's a complimentary piece. So I think if Duke, you know, is more aggressive, starts to take on the leadership role that, that we're already starting to see on the court. Um, I think the team can just benefit from that. Um, but they got a lot to fix. So, um, you know, it, 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 even if Duke turns out to be the star for us, we need the other guys to step up. We're too talented. Um, they got to, they got to make it work. I, I just, there's nothing really more to say, but um so yeah, obviously a brutal weekend for the Friars. They got one and two in a win like or yeah, one and two, Jesus. Uh, in a win legacy. And now are five and four on the season. They get the URI Rams on Friday. Game will be on ESPN two, which to me I'm kinda worried about because like during the whole win legacy, we were supposed to be on ESPN two if we actually won games. But um now like there's a bigger audience and you know if things go sour, this might be pretty ugly for us, but um, I'm still really excited for the game. Um, I tried to get tickets. I don't know if it's going to happen or not, but um, it's really weird the way they do it. You're right. Always sucks in terms of hosting. I mean, I know the rides are smaller, but the dunk, we give them a whole half of the arena and they give us a measly section up high. It's freaking a joke, but um you know, so I don't know if I'll be going to the game or not. I'm kind of leaning towards no because a lot of my buddies that were thinking about going to the game definitely don't want to go. Um, I would still like to, but I don't know. We'll see. I guess I'll find out tomorrow. But um, all right, so joining us next, we have to, to talk the big game, Battle of the Ocean State, PCURI. Um, we got a friend of mine, Justin Hasgard. We've gone back and forth before, um, you know, always talking shit to each other via text. Um, and got them on, on the pod. We do, do a little segment here, talking the big game, what to expect. So um, can't wait to get to that. But first, let's have a word from our sponsors. Welcome back to the Providence Crier podcast. Joining me right now, I have Justin Hasgard. He is a San Diegan, but also a huge URI fan. You may have heard us on the podcast Theater and College Hoops. Uh, Justin, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, so we'll get right to it. Obviously, the big game uh, is this Friday. PC visits the Ryan Center uh, to take on the Rams of Rhode Island. Um, We all know right now that, that PC sucks right now. We get it. They had a horrible weekend in uh, Anaheim. We all know about that, but uh, the people want to hear about this URI team. So what's the story with them? So URI has done pretty much what I expected them to do so far this year. They've beaten the teams they have to beat, and they've lost to the teams that they need to beat in order to get a at-large bid at the end of the year. But 
we're still in it. We, have, we don't have any bad losses yet. Um, you know, we, we stay close with West Virginia in West Virginia. Uh, we were pretty close with LSU. And then, I mean, against Maryland, we were up 12 in the first half. And then we just got tired and their size just kind of overwhelmed us in the second half. So um, this team is it's got potential. We're still young, um, led by Fats Russell, who is maybe an A-10 player of the year candidate right now with Obi Toppin. So uh, this will definitely be a good game. and I'm looking forward to it a lot more than uh, last year. All right. Well, so, yeah, I'm glad you brought up Fats Russell. Um, he's off to a really good start. Obviously, uh, in his first year as a freshman, he was crucial in beating PC at the Ryan Center the last time these two, two teams met there. Um, last year, he was flat out terrible. I was shitting all over him. Uh, I think it was like 2 of 13 from the floor. And I think overall, he was just had a sophomore slump. Um, but right now, there's no questioning he, he's, his ability to score. So what's changed for him, do you think, so far? Yeah, I think he understands his role in the team a little, little bit better. Um, last year, he just kind of assumed since all five of the seniors graduated that he was going to be the man and he needed to score more. So he was really forcing shots up and not trusting his teammates. Uh, this year, a lot different. He's not forcing as much uh, and he's getting some help from Dowden and, and Surreal down low to kind of free some shots up for him as well. But I mean, honestly, he has been so explosive and effective from shooting from outside that I think it's really opened up his dribble drive ability, and I've been super impressed with him this year. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard not to be. Um, so, yeah, I mean, what were the Rams, were they in a tournament over, over the long week, or did you guys just play the West Virginia game? Yeah, we were in the uh, newly founded Jamaica Classic, the Jersey oh, nice. Classic, yeah. And that's where uh, we lost to LSU. Um, but we got a couple wins out of it, so not not too worried about losing to LSU on a neutral court. But no losses at home yet, so we're trying to keep that going through Friday. All right. Well, uh, so in terms of you said you know you have no bad losses at this point, but some of the wins you've kind of squeaked out. You squeaked one out against Nickel State. Um, you know, I watched, I believe I watched some of that. You guys played uh, North Texas. You guys ended up winning that one by 13, but that was that was pretty close, you know, early in the second half there. New a little too close for comfort for North Texas. Let the boys have some fun in Jamaica one time, all right? As long as you come out with the win, who cares? All right, fair enough. But, uh, all right, well, so obviously it's a huge game. You know, we've gone back and forth every year. Um since we were in college uh, in 2008. So this big rivalry, PCURI, what does it, what does it mean to you, Justin? Honestly, it, it's nice to have this type of rivalry game each season that you can kind of look forward to. And even if you're having a bad year, uh, like we were having last year, you can kind of look forward to it. And if you win, it, it almost feels like a victory uh, for the season. But you know that more than I do, because clearly you've been touting your victories over URI for the past few years uh but this is a different team different atmosphere in the ryan center you know that very well as you've experienced two losses in the ryan center yourself and uh, i think it's going to be probably a similar outcome this year on friday are you are you going to the game um so i requested tickets your eyes always very uh very stingy with the amount of tickets they let up well you know the dunk gives you guys a whole section uh in the back there but um or, or excuse me, on the other side of the arena, whereas you're right, you get this shitty high up section in the Ryan Center, it's trash. So what they had to do this year was they, you had to, which I think was kind of bullshit, but they made you buy a request to get tickets and they did it by like some priority and they'll let you know by tomorrow if you got tickets or not. So I don't know. Um, but you put in the request? I did, yeah. But, I mean, the way the Friars are going right now is, I don't even know if I want to go. But Yeah, you're talking uh, about freaking out wins. You guys literally just barely beat Pepperdine. Yeah, I mean, it, it was certainly a terrible weekend. Um, you know, we got a ton of talent, just not the cohesion. Uh, the togetherness just isn't there. They started off hot um, against Sacred Heart. Obviously, not the most impressive win in the world. But, um, you know, it looked like from that game that things this year might be different in terms of the offense and all that. 
Uh, and then sh- very quickly here, they lose to Penn, and they go to Anaheim, they drop three or four, and all of a sudden that's not the case. Uh, so, I mean, they're playing pretty poorly right now, not going to lie. But, yes, I will go back to uh, that record, winning eight of nine against the Rams. What is it? What do we know? Is it? Not eight of nine. No, it's eight of nine recently. But I think overall, since we've been in college, it's like what? Like two and you guys got two. We got like ten. It's not. You have not won eight of the last nine. We won with uh, Terrell and ECS when they were seniors. And we just won. Um, oh, yeah, I guess. Yeah, because you were we were still in school. Right. Yeah. So um, wait, no. So I think you're like, I think it's like two and nine total. Two and, yeah, you guys are two and nine or two and ten. But, uh, yeah, what, what the rivalry means to me uh, is dominance, to be honest. Uh, you know, the Rams, yes, they've tripped us up here and there, but you guys can't win at the dunk. You haven't won there since 2002. Uh, Cooley only has one loss to you guys. I mean, it's been domination. Um, but in all seriousness, I do love what the rivalry does for – the state of Rhode Island for New England basketball as a whole for college hoops. Um, I mean, I think it's definitely the best rivalry game that's in the East Coast. Uh, even if PC ends up winning more than losing, uh, it's always fun. The atmosphere is always great. Um, so I, I do love that. That it's. I think it's good for the state. I think it's great for both programs. But yeah, I've really enjoyed the dominance. Really. Yeah, I won't say it's the best rivalry on the East Coast, but it's definitely the best in the Northeast uh, because no other team really has that between the Yukons, UMasses, BCs. Um, no one really has the rivalry that URI and PC has. And it's typically normally a pretty competitive game no matter what the difference is in town level on each team, which is nice. And the atmosphere is always crazy. Um, but I got to ask you, man, do you really think you've got a chance this year? Yeah, uh, has yeah. been stumbling over their feet ever since we took off. And if you remember on that original uh, Theater and College Hoops podcast, I said that by the time this game rolled around, PC would probably have a couple embarrassing losses. Hand up, I was wrong. They've got multiple, multiple embarrassing losses already, not just a couple. Right, I get it. Yeah, they certainly have their embarrassing losses. I'll give you the two in Anaheim. But you know what? I'm going to give the guys a mulligan. Uh, I think they have a whole week now to regroup. Um, and at the end of the day, the talent ends up winning out. You said that the talent, you know, despite the talent being higher on one team than the others, using a competitive game, yes. But usually the more talented team wins. And I know the Friars have got a way better lineup than the Rams. I mean, my question to you is, so you got Fats Russell, but we're just going to plop David Duke on him. So, so how how are you guys going to get production from, like, who else is going to step up? Who else is going to step up? You, I mean, Jeff Dowden's averaging 14 a game. Cyril Landrevis averaging a double-double. Oh, your team literally has taken a step back more than any team I think I've seen from a 500 team last year. I mean, you've got Pipkins, who you guys were touting all offseason, who – has basically just been terrible. Like, he, what is he shooting? 29% from the field? That is so bad. And he thinks he's just going to come into PC and be, like, the man who's going to shoot all these ridiculous three-pointers and just brick everything like he did at UMass. You guys thinking that he was going to come in and be a savior was nuts. Two, I think he killed A.J. Reeves' confidence because that guy took a huge step back. He was going to have what I thought a great sophomore year if he didn't get Pipkins because he was going to be David Duke's number two and kind of run the offense with him. But... Now he's shooting 26% from three. He's no good. We've got uh, Alpha Diallo shooting 21% from three. Pipkins shooting 29% from the field. That's terrible. I, I mean, Gant, where is Gant? Like, I thought he was a freshman who was going to take this to the next level for PC and bring you guys to the quote-unquote Elite Eight. Well, well, no, it's, it's, the, it's the cry of prophecy. It's the Final Four. It's not the Elite Eight. But, uh, uh, <laughs> certainly the cry of prophecy is taking a hit in the last couple of days. Oh, admit it. Um, with Pip, I mean, it started off really well. Uh, but, yeah, certainly the recent shooting performances out of him uh, in Anaheim especially were pretty brutal. But, um, you know, I, I think he actually has a big bounce-back game in this one. 
He's going against his former A-10 competition. He knows these guys. He's lit you up before. He'll do it again. Yeah, and guess what? He's going to be the one guarding Fats. It's not going to be Duke. Duke's going to be on Dowin. I guarantee it due to the size. And Fats will eat Pipkins alive. He's not going to be able to guard him at all. Fats is way too quick, way too dominant off the dribble. Pipkins does not care about defense at all, as I'm sure you've noticed in the past nine games. He's all about just jacking up threes and trying to take it to the hole when he's too short to finish. It is, I can't wait to laugh out loud at Pipkins jacking up shots on Friday. It's honestly what I'm looking forward to most. Yeah, well, so certainly you do have a point in terms of if Cooley doesn't put Duke on uh, on uh, Fats, obviously there is a chance for him going off. I mean, the Fires in Anaheim, <laughs> they gave up a ton of points to a bunch of undersized guards. So, uh, certainly there's a chance there, but hopefully, in my opinion, hopefully Cooley makes the adjustment. Sits Duke, he's our best. Have Duke just fall uh, Fats around the entire game. He's our best defender. Um, that's my hope, but we, we shall see. Well, even if you do that, though, I mean, URI's averaging over 10 points a game for four different players. So it's not like we're a one-dimensional team with it. Fats doesn't score, we don't score. We've got four guys averaging double digits. And I don't think I can say the same for Providence. I mean, you've got two guys averaging double digits right now. Yeah, but the Friars have more... So obviously averaging 10 a game, obviously that's not been the case because... Pretty much, they have a ton of players that can get theirs occasionally, and so you know, if if it's not if it's not Diallo, you can rely on a guy like Malik White coming off the bench, being that spark plug. Um, like I said, David Duke has really emerged right now, and the way he played in uh, Anaheim, I'm just saying, watch out. He's super efficient, um, athletic as hell. Like he's he's gonna be the best player on the court in my opinion. Yeah, and I'll I'll say that I judged him a little too quick after his freshman season. He was not good last year, uh, not impressive at all compared to what he was ranked as a prospect coming into college. He has been a lot better this year. I've been watching the games, and, and he has impressed me for sure. But, I mean, his co-partner there, A.J. Reeves, took a huge step back, and I'm a little nervous that his confidence is so low now that he may be part of the Ed Cooley transfer portal here in the upcoming offseason. Well, I mean... You may have a point, but then, you know, AJ has a big game against Pepperdine, 15 points off the bench. Uh, the Friars bench, too, that's another thing. It's just way more loaded than you guys. They get 41 points off the bench the other night against Pepperdine because Watson and Reeves go for 15 apiece. Um, we just have waves. That's the thing. Like, you guys, you know, you may have three or four players. They're right. But- You're talking about waves against Pepperdine at home. That was in Anaheim. What are you talking about? Oh, that was in Anaheim. Okay. Yeah, still. You're talking about beating up Pepperdine, like the smallest school. They call it West Coast Endicott. Like, that's what it is. That's who you're beating up with these waves of scoring from your bench. It's crazy that you even think that that's going to be an option against URI. I mean, you know Nate Watson's going to eat you guys a lot. Let's be real. Nate Watson? Nate Watson hasn't really ate anyone alive this year. I mean, all we have to do is... All we got to do is foul that guy. He's shooting under 30% from the free throw line. Oh, he is brutal from, from the line. That, that I will give you. But, uh, you know, let's, let's talk predictions. Like, what do you think the score is going to be? You know, obviously, it's pretty clear to me right now you think you guys are going to win. Uh, but uh, how, how does this one shake out? I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I think it's going to be a high-fouling game and a high-scoring game. It's going to be a lot of I, – I bet that both teams are in the bonus – right around the 10-minute mark of each half because it's going to be physical. The refs are going to try and control it immediately. I'm guessing the score is going to be right around 75-70 to 70 with URI pulling it out. 75-70, okay. Uh, so one thing, like, sometimes the URI-PC game has been a rock fight, but I agree with you. I think this year it might be a little different. Um, you know, PC, PC does go into offensive like slumps, which is brutal to watch. But uh, when they get going, their offense looks pretty good. Uh, and then defensively, let's face it, the Friars just haven't been as as good defensively as a normal Ed Cooley's team is. Usually it's calling card. 
Um, I definitely agree with you that we could see a high-scoring game. But I think this one goes uh, a little bit similar to the game in 2009. Let's do a throwback here. Um, You remember this one well because it was was the one win you got to see. I'll give you a little round of applause. It was the one win you got to see in college uh, against the Friars. But uh, 2009, the Friars lead by 14 at half. The Rams end up storming back, getting the win. Uh, Greedy steps over. The the inbound line gets a tee. That pretty much salts away the game for the Rams. Um, So I think it's going to be similar to that. Um, And before I get to my score, though, I do want to point out, I was looking at the box score of that game. You guys were led by Keith Cothran in Orion Outer. Like, who the hell is that? Keith Cothran was the guy who led our team for, like, four years. Him and Delroy James were, like, well, yeah. co-partners. Well, we all know big Delroy James. He was yeah. a legend. He I'm was legend. the original leader before Delroy took over. Who is Outer Bridge? Oh, Ryan Outer Bridge? Yeah. He's, like, a center from uh, prep school. I believe he's, it was a prep school in Mass or New Hampshire that we got. And he was just kind of like a freak athlete, 6'8", six, 6'7", six, forward, who could jump through the ceiling, but... He never really materialized into a great player, but I played well that day. Yeah, I mean, I was looking at the box score, and, like, some of the names were, were just funny throwbacks to look at. Marshawn Brooks went one for seven in that one. But, uh, so, yeah, the Friars end up losing that one. So I think this game will be similar, where the Friars will race out to an early lead, um, similar to what they did against Long Beach State and lost, similar to what they did against Pepperdine and won. Um, I think the Friars – you know, get a big lead, the Rams come storming back, and then I think at the end of the day, behind maybe a couple defensive plays by David Duke, the Friars get the stops they need just to hang on. 77-73 is my prediction. What what do you got to say about that? Is that what you said, 77-73? Yeah, that's right. I mean, I I do agree that I don't think it's going to come down to a final possession shot. I think it's going to come down to, like, uh three-point game and then there's yeah. almost a brick and then it's going to come down to like free throws for the other team and it's going to end up being five or six points at the end of the day but um not, i mean it, it very well could fall that way if, if bats or Dowton both have bad games i mean it, it could easily fall to the to the friars but i just don't see it happening because your team's been so bad lately and the confidence is at an all-time low cooley's hopefully starting to feel the heat from providence friars fans because he's done nothing the past two years that's been impressive but i mean even if you look towards the future for cooley his recruiting stinks like he's got what one three-star recruit right now on the books we've got a four-star already we've got a three and a four you guys have no future to look forward to you're kind of just riding david duke and hoping that he becomes a chris dunn jr and i I don't even know what the future is what is the future for pc all right well to answer your question cooley and I, I talked about it earlier in the pod. Cooley has felt a brunt of criticism on Friar Twitter. Uh, people, were, a lot of people are calling for his job, which I think is fucking nuts uh, for what Cooley's done for the program to bring actual pride into the college, uh, the PC Friars, um, into their program that that hadn't been seen in a long time. Um, you know, but but fairly. It's fair to, to criticize Cooley for the recent stretch, for sure. As for the recruiting, I'm not too worried about that right now. Um, you know, Alan Breed, the guy that the guy, he's a low, he's a low-rated recruit, but I think he actually might be like one of those diamond in the rough players. He plays, he played on a loaded uh, prep school team, IMG. Has played with a ton of studs, um, so I feel like he's under-recruited because of the other guys that are there with him. But, I mean, obviously, they got a ton of spots to fill next year with five seniors being on the team this year. Um, you know, it, I think a lot will have to do with how they can, you know, how, how the season goes, to tell you the truth about the future of the Friars. Because, you know, if they can turn this thing around, I think it gets back to normal. Uh, you know, they'll probably be able to land a couple transfers. They got Jared Bynum, who's supposedly a stud, uh, who came over from St. Joe's, has sat out this year, but... Apparently, it's been pretty dominant in practice. But, you know, right now, the future doesn't look great. But I'll tell you what. There's one way to to get to turn the season around, and that is bring the URI Rams onto the court. 
because we've dominated them and we're going to do it again. It's going to turn the season around. I am pumped. I'll be honest. If David Duke was not born in Providence, I think this team is an absolute disaster right now because then you don't have him. You've got A.J. Reeves, who is still giving up shots to Pipkins, who I think was a terrible transfer signing. I think you should have just wrote it out with the, the guys you had. But we were going to write it out with Makai Ashton Langford. No, no, thank you. <laughs> well, no. Well, he transferred, so you don't right. have to worry about him anymore. I, I was more talking about writing it out with White. Um, White. Reeves, Duke. And, and yeah. Duke as your backcourt. Right. And then having Diallo and, and uh, what's his face? Emmett Holt and Nate Watson working the front court for you. But, I mean, if you want to go with that long bench, no one's going to be able to get hot because everyone's got to share minutes. So that's, I think, part of the problem for you guys. We've got a nice condensed bench. We're running ba- basically eight people every time with uh, Dana Tate, Jacob Toppin, and um, Makai Long coming off the bench. And it's been working out fine so far. I mean, we haven't been blown out at all. And I think we're going to be competitive with pretty much every team we play, whether it be Dayton or obviously Providence coming up on Friday. And I think we've got a solid bid to be an at-large bid come March if we can get some key wins, especially against Dayton and VCU uh, come conference play. All right, well, fair enough. I mean, I think once this game ends, we end up starting rooting for each other to boost the old RPI. Uh, in terms of, like, you don't want your, your loss to be a bad loss or you want your win to be a better win. So uh, at that point, you know, once the dust settles on Friday, we'll be back to rooting for each other until determined time comes again. But um, last question for you. Anywhere you're watching the game, anywhere fun San Diego you're going to to, to catch this one Friday? Yeah, so San Diego has a huge hub of Northeasterners, and we actually have seven PC slash URI grads that are all getting together to watch the game at a bar. So... That should be pretty fun, pretty heated, and uh, I'll definitely be rocking my URI attire there. All right, man. Well, thanks for coming on. I uh, really enjoyed it. Go Friars, slam the Rams. We'll see you. Thank you. Man up in my city, I'm the truth, yeah. David Duke went on way about a hoop, eh. Cross over, I might go to LEU. Heard they sleeping on me, well, let's take them back to school. PC, you know we on go, eh. Like AJ Reeves when I'm off that pick and roll, ayy Fall down, bounce back like Emmy Hope, ayy I'm the alpha dog, Diallo They was sleeping on me, that's what made me a savage And he see me bumping, so we gon' let him have it, yeah They don't want no static, we at the top just like the attic This year we taking over March Madness Man up in my city, I'm the truth, yeah